January 13, 2021. It's Watt for Pedro Show.
Why for Pedro show? Uh, look, I'm going to let you people in on something that's not actually January 13th, <laughs> okay? Because I know the truth would come out sooner or later. And, you know, there's enough fucking people trying to get away with bullshit these days. So I fucked up, people. And I got Brother Steve on the Skype inch here uh, from the happy Los Feliz to uh, try to fix a pilot error, a major pilot error. <laughs> We can't blame the equipment on these people. But anyway, we started the show off with Welcome, Part 1. This is John Coltrane live at Newport, 1966. Tense gig for him. When it was last. And then uh, Red Cross with Rich Bratt. But it's great honor to have Steve McDonald, uh, a bass brother from Hawthorne. Let's recap. It's, it's, it's going to be weird for him because, you know, twofer, but... He's a creative man. And <laughs> Steve, your earliest music recollection, again, please. Okay, well, the one I'm going, there's many recollections. But the, okay. the, the one I like to brag about the most is my first choice of records. My mom took me to Munt's Stereos, which was the the local record shop in Hawthorne, California, where I grew up. One day when I was probably about five years old, um, and she said, choose any two records. And my imagination now is maybe I got shots that day. You know, like maybe I had to get a booster shot. She You're talking about the really vaccination, calm. right? And she said, pick out any two records. And like, yeah, maybe I got like a chicken po well, I guess I didn't have chicken pox vaccination. You know, like maybe I got my rubella mumps or something. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, yeah. Uh, and months, uh, if I can ask you, Steve, months, but they had the, like a guy looking like Napoleon all crazy ass. Yeah. Yeah. You remember months. Yeah. I think they had they had they had a couple of the the shops around the South Bay. There was one in Torrance, too, I think. Uh yeah, there were stereo shops. He has a good Wikipedia page, uh, if anybody want to look, look that up. But um, anyways, that's where I got my first records. And and uh, when my mom said, choose two records, uh, in 1972, at five years old, I chose uh, the Rolling Stones uh, live album, Get Your Yaya's Out. And then I chose um, the Alice Cooper record with the snake on the cover, um, Killer, which I assume was probably a brand new record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it and we, caught my eye in the front of the store. I think Charlie Watts is on the cover of that Stones record. Oh yeah, hell yeah, yeah. It's a it's a classic record. Yeah, Charlie Charlie's got the uh, the, the 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 donkey with a and he's, he's got a donkey with a drum strapped on it, and he's, he's holding the. I think he's got. I think it's hard to tell because it's just the side shot, but I think it's Bill Wyman's. Fender Mustang bass in one hand, and then uh, maybe I forget what the other guitar is. I, I gotta a, tell you, Les Paul. Uh, uh, you know, hey. you know, Bill Wyman. You know, all, Bill Wyman uh, really played bass funky the way he held it. I think he didn't put the strap over the right shoulder or correct shoulder, but uh, but he also oh, pulled, oh. he also pulled the frets out way before Jaco Pastorius. He played fretless, but like a made one, right? He actually has the first fretless before Jaco Pistorius. Nothing against Jaco, although I'm kind of more wow. of a Bill Wayman I fan. Even that's 
that that would make sense. His form, the way he held the base, he held the neck up really high. Yeah, like yeah. He was playing a stand. Okay, let's get into stand up. You get into stand up, right? <laughs> yeah, he became a comedian. No, stand up base. What you know? What I did? Yeah, I forgot to ask the, you yesterday. Was a forty? Was you know, over in the U.S., we use three quarters, right? The jazz guys use forty-one inch scale. How did you fucking finger? Did you use a chair? Oh yeah. Well, let's see. Well, I'm a kind of. I was a tall kid. Um, I think it was a three. You're talking about the stand-up bass that I played as a kid. That's right. Yeah. Right. So I, I wasn't. So I was in the school orchestra. That's true. Uh, starting in a, like I guess it was fifth grade, and I you know I was probably maybe five foot tall then. I was kind of like. Uh, you know, but hey, my playing sounded like it. I, I don't, re you know, the, basically what I learned, I learned how to play King of the Road, the riff, the bomb, 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 which, you know, I didn't know that the tune other than it was an Anheuser-Busch commercial at the time. I don't know if you remember that, but. Uh, oh, yeah. Budweiser. But uh, so I learned the Budweiser theme. And, uh, and that was sort of really the main point with that was to show my parents and um, to try to impress them because the, the plot all along, the, the, the motivation with the stand-up bass, I wish I could say that I was an old-school jazz head from day one. It, I didn't want to play the stand-up bass. The only reason I wanted to play stand-up bass because I had my sights set on getting an electric bass. Right, it was a scheme. It was a scheme. And in the Wiseburn School Orchestra, they always had a position open the one electric instrument, the one instrument that could fit in a rock situation was they allowed the electric bass in their orchestra, but you had to supply your own. So, but they had the stand-up basses and I could take those home and I learned how to play King of the Road and also a little, another song called Little Rock. But, um, and then uh, my parents got me, um, I was very, very lucky. And I think it was Christmas in 78. I, I was the proud new owner of a of a brand new Fender Music Master. Now, uh, there was another scheme going on. Your older brother Jeff wanted you in the band. Yeah, so Jeff had Jeff had uh designs to start a band. And um, you know, and that kind of came out of our inspiration from the new sounds of punk rock. Uh mostly uh in, informed by the Ramones. Sax Pistols and the Runaways, and the Runaways most uh, influentially because they were teenagers. Um, they were teenagers. I mean, they were a few years older than me. I was like ten years old at this time. But on the back cover of their first album, it said like Joan Jett, sixteen; Lita Ford, seventeen. <laughs> and that seemed like wow. I mean, even though they sounded as professional as Kiss, um, they were. They were kids too. They they were high schoolers. I love so Cherry Bomb. Cherry Bomb is the greatest cool. greatest song. Cherry Bomb. Oh yeah, it's a classic. And you, you know though, I, I think a pioneer for them was somebody I saw open for Alice Cooper, Susie Quattro, she's a bass player. Oh yeah, well Susie, she's a great bass player. Are you a Susie Quattro fan yourself, Mike? Absolutely, I saw her open for the Coop. I think her brother was on guitar. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Wow, see, yeah, see, I didn't get to do that. I'm 48 so crash, 48, 48 crash, <laughs> glycerine queen. <laughs> oh, yeah, glycerine queen and double gate drive. So I thought, I know it was some, like 
puppet show from Kim Fowley, supposedly. But they were, especially with Joan Jett, she was a lady of her own, man. Yeah, yeah, they were a true rocker. Well, clearly, you know, Lita and, and Joan, at least, have proven to be lifers. Absolutely, absolutely. So they had a big influence on uh, the tourists. Yeah, yeah. So our first band, Jeff and I put together, was called The Tourist. And uh, the tourists were comprised of my brother, my brother Jeff McDonald, who I still play in Red Cross with. And he's three and a half years older than me, or almost four years older. And then uh, our drummer was named John Stilo, and he was the kid that also played in the Wiseburn School Orchestra. He was in eighth grade when I was in sixth grade and he was kind of really popular because he did the drum solo uh at the orchestra concerts before we went into yeah i gotta tell the people uh -huh. every uh, high school junior high school band grade school in the 70s did a version of hawaii 50 is that correct steve yeah yeah and we did too we did too and uh, da, 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 da. <laughs> the bass was like bump Kick drum pattern. You know, but the big thing of that tune, though, is the fill. It's the fill. Doodle 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 doodle.
Asian time.
Live from Pedro Show. We lost Steve for there. You know, his boy, it's remote schooling time, people, so he should get to Bogart the bandwidth <laughs> more than these two old bass punk rockers, okay? So uh, we, we heard Don't Turn Your Back On Me from Red Cross, uh, Mr. Child from Guided By Voices, Lies from The Last. Uh, the Last, in fact, produced the first Red Cross, uh, Joe Nolte. Uh, 43 from PK. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Joe, PK with 43 from uh, Back East. Great new record from uh, Pat Kane. Uh, Experimental Noise Riff Loop at Whitcomb from Hans Rott in Switzerland. Uh, Bombas Prendon, Vacation A, Spiky Plant and Pearly Sculpture, Dustin Wong. Foodie would tie me up from Osaka. That's some cool change, Sonny, for sure, from Biscuit Mouth out of England. And Sam Lock Ward with Pink Slime out of Iowa City. And finally, Fighting from Red Cross. And uh, we're going to continue now on the development of the Taurus. <laughs> okay. So, Fighting from Red Cross, 2019. Now we're going back to 1979 and the band is forming and uh and i'm 11 years old and uh and it's my brother jeff mcdonald me john stilo the drummer from our uh, junior high school uh, orchestra and then jeff meets a kid in his 10th grade photography class that is also taking pictures at punk gigs in Hollywood at the same time. And they noticed this in the dark room. Like Jeff is developing pictures of the Go-Go's and this other kid is developing pictures of the Dickies. And they, they're only two kids probably within 20 square miles that have any idea what those pictures are. <laughs> and, and they just happened to, to intersect with each other at Hawthorne High School. And it turns out that that kid is Greg Hudson, who later formed Circle Jerks, and joins Bad Religion at some point. Um, but first, he's at High, Hawthorne High as a senior. My brother is a, a, a sophomore, and uh, Jeff finds out that Greg has a guitar, and he wants to play in a band. And Jeff says, well, I'm starting a band with my brother. You should come over to our house and jam. And Greg comes over to our house, and, and much to his horror, I assume, he finds that the brother that Jeff was starting a band with is 11 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he probably thought we were like, yeah, it was freaky or something. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it all turned out to be cool because um, Greg was Greg was somehow impressed. We had, you know, we, Jeff and I had already written a handful of songs. We had things like an. Now, on my school, you had the greatest backup vocal part with that falsetto. Your voice hadn't changed yet. Yeah. Yeah, well, my brother always plays the announcement of punk. <laughs> and I had that real high voice. And yeah, so, but, uh, you know, I lost that quickly. But, uh, well, you know, I, actually, I still try to sing in that range. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds different now, though. <laughs> Well, you know, the castrato option probably wasn't that much on the table. <laughs> Thank God for your son. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So tell us about the first tourist gig. Well, yeah. Well, so the first gig, um, our, our first, yeah, our first gig was playing an eighth grade graduation party at Hawthorne. And it was our drummer John's class that was graduating. And uh, just a girl in his class, Lisa Stengel, asked John, because she knew he had a band, if they would play her 
party, but you probably assumed that John's band was a band that would play backyard parties at that time. You know, the kind of band that would maybe do heart Barracuda. Maybe they might have done, you know, a rockin' version of a Rock and Roll by Led Zeppelin or, or maybe a Kansas song or something. Uh, she had no idea that we were um, a punk rock band. She didn't know what punk rock was. And, um, and then we had just met Black Flag just prior to that, who were not really known. They'd only played a handful of shows locally. And, um, and we asked if we could invite our friends to come play. And she said, sure, you know, having ideas of you know, the very early Black Flag uh, pre-Red Cross tourist gig in her living room. And, uh, <laughs> and then, and then, the, and that went fine. You know, the kids, the kids booed us, but we learned how to deal with an irate crowd from that show. And we gave it right back to them. When Black Flag played, all the kids were just kind of freaked out by these older dudes and they just kind of left. They vacated the living room. And so we just got, it's like a sort of like a private concert, like, you know, the, the sort of nervous breakdown era black flag in a living room in Hawthorne. It looked kind of like, you know, if you ever see that movie Boogie Nights, well, you oh, would yeah, know yeah. this. Yeah. If anybody's ever seen the movie Boogie Nights, the, the first 10 minutes of that film, the star lives in Torrance, California, and they show the inside of his house. That's exactly what Lisa Stangler's house looked like. And black, imagine black flag playing in that living room. So yeah, I that think, was that. I think in the real old days, they called that, like a command performance for the king or some shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then our first kind of real proper gig was at the Pollywog Park in Redondo Beach. Um, that's notoriously known as the, you know, the, the Black Flag Riot at Pollywog Park. And we supported Black Flag at this park in Redondo Beach, California. And it was this Sunday afternoon event where families were just picnicking, having a good time. It was sort of like a light jazz series. Somehow Black Flag had managed to um, trick the officials and gave them like a, a, you know, gave them some like Fleetwood Mac demos or something as, as their, as their, as their uh, audition with them. Black Flag put together the bill. And uh, anyway, that turned into a notorious uh, food fight to say the least, or maybe it was also known as a riot. But uh when we played, people were just kind of nice to us. Now, later, later, you played above the bookstore at Harbor College with the Minuteman. <laughs> That's true. Well, okay, yeah. The other thing I'd like to brag about, <laughs> Mike, is that <laughs> I love to brag about the, that. Well, you're and, and pre Minutemen, the reactionaries. That's right. Played with Black Flag and Pinskick, you told me about. You told me the other day that, that you you uh, informed me that that was the first Descendants gig. That's right. Uh, at, at a teen post in San Pedro, in Pedro, right. at, at the teen post. I was at that gig when I was 11 years old. I saw you guys play. Um, so I go way back. The, the, <laughs> the right. legacy of Watt from Pedro. Yeah, that's right. All the, way. the cops had to lock us in, and you said your parents were sitting in a Toyota waiting for you. Yeah, 69 Corona. Yeah, it was a really sweet little four-door. And, but, yeah, they're so cool. They they actually, they subsided and waited for us. I mean, that was kind of a rough part of town. And then, yeah, and like you said, the cops, uh, 
cops actually locked everybody in or so. I mean, there was some craziness going on. I mean, uh, that was because the know. neighborhood wanted to kill. I mean, there was a guy with a, <laughs> that neighborhood, very ethnic. They didn't know about a clash song called White Riot. <laughs> You wear that on your jacket yeah. and, and then wreck their fucking team post. <laughs> yeah, crazy ass. So so tell me about the first Red Cross recording at Media Art in Hermosa Beach. Right. Okay. So that was the first place I recorded. And I believe that's the first place you recorded, right? Absolutely. Or that's where Miniman did their first recordings. That's right. Yeah. It's and Spotsky. it's the same place where Black Flag did their Nervous Breakdown EP and all that jazz. But the, So yeah, the first Red Cross demo, which I think you'll play a track from that... Oh, you already played a track. Rich Rat was from that demo. That's right. And, uh, and that was um, recorded at Media Art with Joe Nolte as our producer and spot behind the, the knobs engineering. And the other thing I like to also brag about is that I was 11 and I paid for that demo with my Daily Priest paper route. Wow. And those deadbeats in my group, our guitar player was 18 years old. He had a car. And as far as I know, I was the only person that, that laid down the, the the green to make that session happen. I paid for ours too. We did paranoid time in one night. It was three hundred Dallas mixed and recorded, and I I flowed the bones. Maybe that's what bass dudes are kind of for too. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's our cross to bear. Yeah, it, 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 you know I think we have low self esteem. We think we have to pay for the demo or the. <laughs> <laughs> well, for us, it ended but, up our uh, first record. Yeah, 002, SSTO02. Oh, cool. Yeah, right. Did that have your um, your Tyrannosaurus Rex cover on it? Uh, <laughs> Raymond did the cover, and it was Greg's idea. Raymond did all the lettering. No, no, the song. Remember, you guys used to do that song Prelude from Off yeah, the Stars? Yeah, that, that was on put on some compilation. Did you called life is oh, something okay. or other and then it ended up on my first oh, bells yeah. and they all had raymond Bearing covers that's right that's right and they all had raymond pettibone covers yeah gary gary kale that's of course. it yeah. no i don't know what happened to him me uh, yeah that's uh. i think he was a lawndale or a hawthorne or yeah he's a lawndale guy okay lawndale yeah anti who and then they later did Mood of Defiance, so we're pretty good. I don't know if you remember Mood of Defiance. With the lady singer. Yeah, yeah, with the Hotha. Hotha. Uh, Rachel, something. she can't name it Hotha. Yeah. <laughs> they had a good record, I remember. I yeah, played with the ones at Ascot. But remember Ascot Motor Speedway? Absolutely, where the uh, harbor and for, uh, San Diego freeways collide! <laughs> yeah, AC Agajanian. They still got a building here in Pedro. But I used to use my oh. newspaper money to go see Speedway uh, and Doom Buggy, figure eight racing, and blow your fucking ears out. Sprint car. Okay. So, so, so uh, uh, now this demo, doesn't this tur get turned into a record by Posh Boy? Yeah, we, we re-recorded all the stuff. Oh, it's yeah. a re-recording. So, okay. so the demos are now coming to life. Oh, the de the demos yeah, are the, out there. Those demos, we just yeah. Well, we just reissued them this year as the sort of a fortieth anniversary package on Merge because um, nineteen eighty our first EP came out on Posh Boy, but we did some seventy nine. So we included the demos 
and then we put the Poshua EP. Plus, we did one bonus track, which another bonus track, which is a part of the tourist live at the church, the famous church. Sure, the church was a, a big. It was a practice, actually, community center thing. It wasn't a church anymore, but. Uh, Greg Ginn uh, had his his SST solid state electronics, right? His ham radio antenna tuner. I I soldered a little a, a thing. How did you meet uh, Robbie uh, Posh Boy? Oh well, we we when we played our first gig at an actual club in Hollywood, we were I was Chinatown. We played the Hong Kong Cafe um, with Black Flag, and I think. My memory was UXA were the headliner. So it was UXA, Black Flag, and Red Cross. And D.D. Troy. Fields was there. What's that? D.D. Troy. Yeah, D.D. Troy. D.D. Troy. And Robbie Fields was there, and he had just started Posh Boy Records. And I think maybe the Beach Boulevard record might have already started. Or no, it was the Rick L. Rick uh or it was a F word, F word album. I think maybe he put that. Which out. was so trippy because they cover a germ song. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a great record. You mean that live with the Mabuhe? <laughs> yeah, they do shutdown. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They cover shutdown, and then Dirk Dirksen, the the, the promoter of sure, the uh, sure. Mabuhe. Yeah, he introduces them and cuts them down for 10 minutes. It's pretty great. He used to do it to us, too. He'd, go, he'd look at our set list and go, what's this, the history of fucking music? <laughs> oh, because it's so long. <laughs> yeah. But it was only 20 minutes, you know, 30 songs in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look, we're at the end of the first hour on the kind of... January 13, 2001, edition of the Wild for Pedro Show, with special guest. <laughs> Thanks, brother Steve McDonald. Hold tight for hour two. January 13, 2021, it's the second hour of the Wild for Pedro Show. Yeah.
dropped a dollar bill The ground began to tremble I saw a woman crawling Crawling toward a smokestack Some distant planet's ocean So hear me now So hear me now So hear me now I'm on my way To
Live from Pedro Show, we start off the second hour with Dale Crover Band. That's Melvin Drummer, sometimes. Yeah. I can't help and you I'll, there. Also, Dale plays in Red Cross, too. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, Red Cross has gone through a lot of drummers. A lot of second know, guitar players, final... too. <laughs> okay. Sam yep. Bennett, after that, from Fun Town, Quiet Pig from, and uh, that's Tokyo. Sam's been there 25 years. Quiet Pig out of Italy with Black Hole. Peas, I think. No. I can't remember fucking what. Dr. Herman Green, we just lost him in November from Memphis, Earth Mother. Uh, Jerome Parker Wells out of St. Louis passed over and expected from the White Stripes, comma, red blood cells. So it might, <laughs> might have been a collab, right, Steve? Anyway, let's get back yeah, to the story of the first Taurus gig. The first, yeah, right. So you just asked me, um, was I nervous to play that show? And I said, yeah, I was shitting bricks. Yeah. Can I say that on the, on the walk well, and, and In Pedro, we say shitting pecan log. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want it rough. Well, I was, I was, you know, that's like the... I was shitting that, that too. That's like the Creed's... Yeah, that's like the Creed's Proud Mary versus the Tina Turner Proud Mary. Wait, hang up for one second. What's that? What's that? All right. Okay. I'll, thanks, Alfie. Yeah, I'm being a dad right now. That's yeah, okay. That's okay. <laughs> He's the next shift. You got him an electric bass yet? Stand up. <laughs> yeah. No. He's he's not so interested right now. He's more of a basketball. You know, basketball. it's a trip. Uh, I, uh, last month or a couple months ago, I had Ian McKay on. He said his son ain't interested in music either. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, but, but you can't it. push them, right? They got to find their own way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so what did the name? Uh, you got through that gig, and you, uh, but well, then you well, end up yeah, well, just to tell you really quick, I was shooting bricks, and then yeah, and then the kids were yelling at us, and they didn't like us. They booed us. Ah, okay, so, okay. So we had we we learned quickly how to deal with a, a rowdy crowd and an irate crowd and yeah had, yeah we had um, a lot of those okay opening. you know what we had a lot <laughs> of those opening for black right? flag also <laughs> i, mean, I well, had more yeah, shit well, from it was sort of an unknown quantity at this at this moment but uh black flag just kind of cleared the house altogether the eighth graders didn't know what to think about them but with us they felt uh emboldened to give us a hard time because they were our age group and uh we were playing and that's got the hits and punk rock tunes and so we just told them, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're going to play um, a Led Zeppelin cover. Or he said, no, he said, he said, he said, we're going to play an unreleased Led Zeppelin cover. And I don't know why they thought we would know unreleased Led Zeppelin music. <laughs> I guess the funny thing is that Led Zeppelin would have had unreleased music at that point. They were still together. But uh, but I don't know. Anyway, so we just played like a Teenage Jesus kind of noise jam. And at first they kind of thought, got into it, and then they realized, wait, this isn't Led Zeppelin, and then they started booing again. So, <laughs> so we learned those kinds of tricks early on. And then Black Flag played after us, and all the kids just split. I got to tell people. Out. I got to tell people that's a Lydia Lunch Band people. And Bob Quine <laughs> put out that record, uh, Orphans. And, yeah. What, oh, yeah. I, what I love was the, the the credit for the drummer, Bradley Delp, drama. It wasn't drums. It was drum. Like the dude just played a snare drum. So when does the name get changed from Taurus to Red Cross? Yeah, that. Well, we did that when we first did our first gigs, like at a, a nightclub, an actual venue with um, 
we did one with uh, Black Flag. It was right when Black Flag started first playing gigs in, you know, up in Hollywood or in downtown, and we played a gig uh, with them at the at the Hong Kong Cafe, and I think it was with uh, UXA maybe were the headliners, and Black Flag were in the middle. And anyway, at that point we had learned that the Tourist that band name already existed. It was a new wave band in England, who later <laughs> turned out to be. Uh, Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart of the Eurythmics, their first new wave band was called The Tourists. Okay. Of course, they didn't have the SoCal Beach point of reference. No, um, no. But, but they were, today, fir Ray, they were so, first, and that's more important. Yeah, so we changed our band name, and I think we just kind of, I don't know where we came up with it. I think it just, we liked the idea. It sounded good with Black Flag. Can I, can I, Steve, can I tell you the Hong Kong Cafe gig I saw Red Cross at? Yeah, what was that? Ron quits on stage. Oh Ron, uh, oh, no, that was at um, that was at um, uh, no, that was at King's Palace. Was it okay? Which turned yeah. into Raji's. Yeah, well, okay. I'll later okay. known as Raji's, but uh, yeah, well, you, you would have saw a lot of you played a lot of early gigs. I mean, you know, Mike, I saw the Reactionaries play at the Teen Post in San Pedro. Yeah, yeah, on Mesa. You know, I was there early days. Cop, the cops had to lock people in <laughs> just because the neighborhood wanted to kill everybody. Totally. <laughs> That's true. And you know you know who were outside of the venue that night? My parents in their 1969 Toyota Corona. They, they brought us and they waited <laughs> in their little Toyota as the cops were... You know, locking everybody into the team post. <laughs> it was for a first uh, first descendants gig, also. Look, I want to play uh, that dog, Bird on a Wire. Surprised 
bird that dog, bird on a wire, uh, plus dog plus the knowing of, and then like the blank generation Richard Hell album with the underlying you make me blank, I guess. By the way, he just re-released a Destiny Studio. Uh, the new Harnessians with Blank State. I guess they're into harnesses. Uh, Double Dutch Picnic with Devil's Gold. And finally, Off with Blast. I remember there was a Black Flag band on SST that actually sounded like Black Flag. Not not Overkill, but uh, Blast. Yeah. Because usually they didn't do that. Greg picked bands that didn't sound like their band, which I thought was interesting. So... Uh, you know, an interesting Red Cross version I really liked was when you had Janet House and, and Dezel, of course, with Janet. Oh, yeah, 83. That's around 83. Man, that, to me, I, that was my favorite. I really I really dug that, uh, and it didn't last Thanks. long. You guys did a uh, Blue Cheer cover, Out of Focus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. with the wow-wow yeah, wow and that, stuff. Yeah, Dezel definitely brought a lot of that into the band. Well, Dezel, I think because his daddy, Ozzy, was a producer, and he just had why He turned the Minutemen onto that Curtis Live record, Curtis Mayfield. He would play oh, wow. all kinds. Yeah, his music uh, mindset, it was more than uh, Led Zeppelin, you know. Uh, it was yeah. it was all kinds of stuff. And he he, he was very But how, how did he get in the band? Des? Well, Des was in the band twice at different times. Yeah, I know, but it, this Des, time I'm talking about. At that point? Well, that was, well, so Des was in the band before he was in Black Flag, yeah. and then he did the Black Flag thing, the Black Flag singer, and then he was Black Flag singer guitarist. And then after that phase ended, then he rejoined Red Cross. And uh, at that point, everybody had grown their hair out, and we were starting to you know, reinvestigate oh, oh. some of that music from the 60s and 70s. Oh, oh so you're saying he was a fo former member? Oh, okay, he was actually in there before Black Flag. Okay, I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, there was a brief period, like you just talked about how Ron quit Red Cross on right, stage. Right, right. And then, so after Ron quit Red Cross on stage, then soon after Greg Hudson quit too, to start Circle Jerks, and then we became a five-piece and we had Dezo on guitar, and we had Chet Lear, later of Wasted Youth, on second guitar. And my brother was just stand-up singer. And in, in fact, looking through old flyers that I see on social media now, I think one of the very first Minutemen shows, that lineup of Red Cross played with the Minutemen at the Harbor College for the right. opening for the plug. Above the bookstore at the Seahawks Center. You're right, you're right. You're right. Fucking now it memory. Been the five piece version of Red Cross. It was, it was like it was like three days after my thirteenth birthday. Okay, yeah, I remember that game totally. I, except I can't remember the drummer. Uh, his name is Johnny Lubo. Okay. Or okay. also known as Johnny Nobody, and he was only in the band for that brief period. Get this. That gig with the Minutemen, that's what you know, the original Minuteman drummer Frank Tonch, he was only in the band two gigs, and that was the second gig. He even left his drum set. He said, Fuck this scene, a bunch of crazy people. <laughs> <laughs> Look right there. So was, that the, was that the first Minimen gig? Was no, that the second, 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 second Minimen. Well, okay, I'd like to wear that as a badge of honor that I, I was on the bill for the second Minimen gig. You were, you were. We're at this end of the second hour, January 12, 13, 2021. And we're still in 1980. Hold <laughs> tight for hour three, right?
January 13, 2021. It's the third hour of the Lot from Pedro show. Holy Ghost, when do you come out to play? Because if the Lord is going to find me, he better start looking today. The weekend setting traps in the road. I should have been calling out my eyelids. You'll never guess what baby did. We see God. Oh, oh, oh. Now, 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 we leave the birds singing to me. Oh, what they're trying to say. Mistakes. For 
gets dull That's why fictional characters give up That is why we stir up trouble It's the water which we live in
Well, for Pedro, shall we start off the third hour with uh, fun, with doing Benson Hedges and Crane with Brothers and Sisters. Dr. Dracula makes you get high from the World Infernal Friendship Society. Fatso Jetson, that's Mario Lali and his brother. Golden Age of Cell Block Slag. Uh, Vince Maroney plays on this too. Uh, Paul Ellis with David Gerard doing Mirage. Uh, uh, Talam Dietrich, John Dietrich from Deerhoof with O1. Finally, Melvin's with a Beatle cover. I want hey. to hold your hand. So, yeah. you know, this first tune, Fun, you're right. This first time Fun's been on this uh, show. But, uh, <laughs> but what's important, though, you're a producer, man. You graduated from, like, a bass man for your brother's band to a producer, man. That's beautiful. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And then, yeah, I guess I, yeah, I graduated and then, and then eventually, um, made my way back. So yeah, I've, I've, I've worn quite a few hats at this point, Mike, you know, kind of like you, you know, I've, I've been in other people's bands. I've done my own band and then I've, I, have you ever produced anything for anybody else? Oh yeah. Yeah. But you know what I found out about through my journey music? It's, it's about taking turns. That's how you really learn. That's the way life is. It's not about, I mean, the, the way they, uh, some people put it. It's like, yeah, being the boss is winning. But if you, you're always the boss, you can't learn everything. You're always getting your way. Yeah. It's good to take turns. If you're going to give direction, learn how to take direction yourself. Anyway, tell me about your producer thing. You know, whatever. I, I, I've been engineering. I, at some point, I just got into, you know, learning how to turn the knobs as well. So like 20 years ago, when I got my first computer, I, you know, I got Pro Tools and, uh, and that's where you played that that White Stripes song earlier. One of, that was one of the earlier things I did, where I, uh, I, you know, I at the time Red Cross really briefly Red Cross went on hiatus from 1998 to 2006, and in that time I didn't really have a band, and I started, I went to school, I learned I I learned some music theory, I started producing for other people, then I started playing in other people's bands. I played bass in Beck for a little while. I played bass for Sparks for like five years. You know, this town ain't big enough for the both of us, Sparks. And then I also produced other people. But I think I always kind of longed having my own band. I missed not having my own band. And uh, and then that was why I ended up playing on that White Stripes thing. <laughs> but, um, you know, but at any rate, you know, I, but I like being in a supportive role. It's something I like to do. It's kind of like you're saying, you know, it's it makes you a more well-rounded individual to learn what it's like to be supportive, you know, to be the things, you know, to treat people the way you want to be treated yourself in all capacities. And uh, so, you know, it's something I really like to do. And I, I've learned how to, you know, turn some knobs and not screw things up too much. And, you know, I like to do that. But um Steve, can I volunteer a perspective? I don't mean to interrupt, but I think no, please. you and me be both being bass guys and the politics yeah. of bass is we look good making the other cats look good. So I think that empathy yeah. thing, because we're kind of glue people, right? Well, we're also accompaniment guys. Yeah. Well, I was using glue as a metaphor. I wasn't saying we were exactly <laughs> glue. And what's a glue? What's a, what? But, but what's glue? <laughs> Sorry to get all sophisticated, but you know what glue is. With provide the glue. Yeah, what? yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's true. We, yeah, we, yeah, we, we kind of bridge things. So but, 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 Steve, yeah. Steve, what's glue with nothing to stick to? Yeah, it's a puddle. It's, it's a puddle. It's, right? it's a fucking puddle, right? 
So we need things. We got to be a company in Smith's. So I think it's kind of this thing where you, you said, I try to turn the knobs where I don't fuck things up. See, that's a responsibility. That I think that comes from being a bass dude. A real bass dude. Yeah. Not a got fake lead guitar guy who has four big strings or six or ten. What do they do now? Twelve string basses? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's true. Yeah, I think you, but you and I were both uh, people that... Uh, that, that yeah we like we were we're we like to stick to things it's true and uh and and so yeah i i i i like to be in a supportive role and uh you know and i can do the other thing too i can lead people through the trenches and hopefully you know with very few casualties but um <laughs> it's not it's not my fantasy to all the time to be doing that all the time okay okay yeah i i think Maybe some uh, strategies is if I'm not leading, I'm losing, and that's fucking ridiculous, right? I want to play that's some a drag. A three. You know, uh, uh, we should have played this early on, but I'm gonna play the tours. Fun with Connie, live at the yeah. church. Live at the church, yeah. Ow,
of her children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Happy Easter, Mima drawns on the refrigerator front full of notes. Mr. McFeely held in place by a church magnet. It's up to you. I can do all things through Christ. We ate breakfast while she lay in bed. Here, not here. The children and their children wandering into the back room. One more visit, one last time. There are still cookies here whenever the kids visit.
Last music for this edition. Yeah, fun with Connie, live at the church with Taurus and off-air people. We were doing the old stroll down uh, sentimental lane there. And... <laughs> right, there right, we go. Right. So because... that's when George Hurley rejoined, or right. started playing with Miniman for the first time, that's rejoined right. as the other half of the rhythm section with Mike Wong. Yeah, he learns all the songs in three weeks, and we go into the studio, uh, media art in Hermosa Beach with Spot and Greg, and we do Paranoid Time in one night, recorded and mixed it. That's where I it was amazing recording session too, media art, and uh, with with Spot, and we used uh, Joe Nolte was our producer. Ah, Joe Nolte lives in Pedro now. Do you know that? Oh, does he? Yeah, I wouldn't shit well, you. Well, tell him I said hi if you see him. I will, I will. Morty uh, with individual, Tim Holhouse with underneath, when nativity splits human resonate from transit drum and whenever the kids visit by Phil Venable. Finally, Red Cross with hazel eyes. Oh, cool. Not green eyes like uh, Husker do, but hazel eyes. My pop's eyes were hazel. Because hazel changes. Like when he got pissed off, they went from that green to the fucking slate gray. <laughs> That's when you knew you were in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So these days, are you uh, collabing over the internet? Are you trading files with people? Are you composing? Are you recording? Yeah, I'm doing a little bit of all of it. Um, mostly, uh, well, I've been getting together with the Melvins, and we've been doing some, you know, I'm sort of, I guess, in a little bit of a bubble with those guys. We've been doing some stuff over at Toshi Kasai's place, um, who you know, of course. And uh, and so we've done some of those uh, online events um, with the Melvins. And then, uh, yeah, I've done some I'm mixing a record for a, a punk rock band from Australia called Grindhouse, play a little bass for some people, people reach out, I'll, I'll play on your track, you know, and stuff like that, you know, because I've got a little studio here at the house, and then... Um, Actually, so then, me yeah, and you collabed, who put that together, Bruce Duff? Oh, yeah, yeah, right, that, that was early on, you mean the flatten the curve thing? Oh, That's yeah, we it. both played on that, yeah, exactly. We had three, and, and I and think... That was early on, it, it was early on in the pandemic. And Norwood, too, there's three bass guys. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I forgot that, that, yeah, you and I have, um, we've collabed at this point. You know, someone, someone brought it to my attention recently. Um, I get a thank you on an early Minutemen record because you borrowed my bass amp. That's right. Does that sound familiar? Did you know Yes, it's, it's, it's one side of Buzzer Howl under the influence of heat. And Spot recorded it live to two track for fifty dollars. And your amplifier is on Little Man with a Gun in His Hand, the product, and I felt like a gringo. <laughs> I love that. Mortalized. Well, you know that 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 was probably the amp that I bought in Hermosa Beach, um, or maybe in Manhattan. It was uh it had on it stenciled on it uh Rufus. It was like a Rufus and Chaka Khan. Yeah, yeah. Tell me uh, something. <laughs> well, man, so cool. Yeah, we got connects going way back. It's been a big honor. I gotta get you back on the show, so we, cause fuck, we, we missed out on a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, you've played tunes from all different eras of my of my uh, journey, but uh, but just our stories. We're still in like 1983. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll do it anytime. Okay, right? okay. When up. I get an opening, you know, I'm doing five shows a week now, and I'm booked up to April. That's amazing. Well, That's so I'm going to sit on my hands and complain, right? Music's going to save our fucking lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's cool. I really love your show. I I, I think you're really good at doing this, and uh, it's it's an honor to to uh, 
to be a part of it. Thanks for having me yeah, on. No problem. Right back. And you're going to be on as soon as I get an opening. I, I Maybe next month or so, because I could talk to you fucking forever in a day. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Steve. People, it's been a January 13, 2021 edition. Peter, so keep your powder dry.